This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is the two mats for the week ending Friday, the 15th of September. Just a couple of cool fruits that always know where the towels are. What the hell does this mean? What does that mean? What's I, a fruit? It's a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, oh. <laughs> of which more anon. <laughs> I've just exposed my lack of knowledge of Douglas no, Adams' no, it's, masterpiece. It's, it's a dog whistle to Hitchhiker's fans. All right. So anyway, what did we talk about in this Well, we, we talked about uh, Joe Biden, um, health thereof, and I think more importantly, the impeachment inquiry against him. Yeah. And then we moved on to Elon Musk, the new biography by Walter Isaacson, and specifically Elon's love of Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We did. And we also touched on a marvellous exhibition you've been to see at the V&A. Yeah, the Chanel. Excellent stuff. And Devil Dogs. Yes, and <laughs> what to do about them. Yes, indeed. Well, we, we came to a fairly stark conclusion about that. But I'm you'll have to say, listen. But you'll have to listen to find so what, out. So what are we going to call this episode? Joe and Elon. Sleepy or... Joe and Doolally Don. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy Joe or Doolally Don. Sleepy Joe or Doolally Don. Is that okay? I think that's excellent. You normally name these shows, so I'm going to... Go for it. I'm going to go for it. I like that. Okay, so this is The Two Mats, episode 13, Sleepy Joe or Doolally Don. Enjoy. Enjoy. So, Matt, what are we talking about this week? Well, I think we have to talk a bit about Joe Biden uh, because a lot of the news has focused on him this week in various ways. And I guess the first thing that arose was when he was uh, doing a trip around the world, including the G20, um, 
he went to Vietnam. And in Hanoi on Sunday evening, he gave a press conference, which I'm afraid to say, um, because I'm nothing against the guy, he... Well, hold, let me pause you for a moment. When you say you've nothing against him, I have read your Evening Standard column. Yeah, no, well, I mean, <laughs> I say, you, make, I, you make I'm this litany this of is, things you've got against him quite clearly. Well, more in sorrow than in anger, because yes, I, yes. I, 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 you know, I think he is now reaching a, a point of um, where it's clear that his decline is not just that of age, but, but you know, it's cognitive, it's psychological. Well, so, let's spell it, spell it out in plain terms. Is he going senile? Is yeah, well, I think, I, think that, I think he is. And I think yeah. it's not just age, because we know that dementia can hit people from their 30s onwards, mostly, yeah. you know, 50s, 60s onwards. Yeah. So he's 80. But, you know, uh, Michael Heseltine's 90, and he's perfectly lucid. As is my, my dad is as sharp right. as a tack. Exactly. Yeah, so I, yeah. I actually think that although the age thing has become massively politicised, that's not the que- that's not the key question. So um, I, I don't know if our uh, our producer Matt Hill has got a clip of of the evidence of of, of well, the latest evidence. But, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I met with his number two person here in in uh, excuse me in uh, um, India uh, today. Uh, I don't uh, anyway. I, I just think that there are other things on leaders' minds, and they respond to what's needed at the time. And look. Nobody likes having, but I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. It's painful. It is painful and and, and, um, horribly, you know, the the, the performance was cut off by um, his... His, his aides, you yeah. know, which is, is, is a great indignity for, a, a, you know, a person who's given great public service. He's been vice president. He, he, he beat yeah. Trump, which is a service we should never, ever, ever forget. He yeah. beat Trump in 2020. Um, however, there is a legitimate question now, I think, about his cognitive psychological ability. Is he going senile? The other day in Connecticut, it was actually this was in June, he he ended a speech with God Save the Queen. Man. That's right. It was a bit um, mad, yeah. On the day of the Nashville school shooting, he came down and started rambling about uh, ice cream. Chocolate chip ice cream. Uh, it's it, it's strange. You know, he's talked about Putin twice being at war with Iraq. Clearly, his cognitive function is, is, is declining fast. Now, what does that mean? It means the Democrats are panicking. Biden is not disposed to step down. He's made it very clear he wants to beat Trump. Yeah. If he thinks Trump is going to be the candidate, he will stay in place. So that in order to get rid of him, Vice President Kamala Harris and half of the cabinet would have to use the 25th Amendment of the US Constitution to, to unseat him, which mm. is a... You know, in the in the year leading up to an election is a dis- so the 20, disastrous. The Twenty Fifth Amendment was conceived after Kennedy was yes. assassinated, right? Because there was a clear concern about what you do about the transfer of power exactly. in an emergency, and, exactly. and and it covers, you know, the death of a president. Yeah, and most of it's just common sense. But the this this uh, section and the the great irony is, or the great coincidence is that. The 25th Amendment was also being talked about in deposing Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Four years ago. You know, I mean, where are being, you know, out of control and deranged. deranged, I mean, mean, the the in the piece you talked about, I I said, you know, there's a kind of the the real horror in this is you've got a choice between criminal deranged criminality and advancing senility. Now, obviously, given, you know, forced choice. 
obviously I want Biden to win. Yeah. Um, but but there is a you know there is a you know to be unsentimental and sort of clear-eyed about it. There is a problem about having the leader of the free world in this cognitive condition. We know Reagan in the second term was already beginning to exhibit the signs of. Of Alzheimer. dementia, yeah, that's right. right yeah. And he was younger. He was seventy-seven when both, he finished. Both yeah, of them. That's right. Uh, both Trump and Biden. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are issues around it. I think Biden will be the candidate, and I think Trump will be the candidate. And yeah. I think, you know, I think Democratic strategists are just they they look at the alternatives: Kamala Harris, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the sort of maverick, yeah. anti-vaxxer. None of these people have a chance against Trump. So it, 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 is, it does boil down to a kind of global fingers crossed. The other side to the coin is that if you are a Republican who is, you know, a diehard Republican, but fearful of what Trump means for the Republican Party, but your alternative is, is a guy that looks like he's, you know, the Sleepy Joe prophecy is coming to fruition... It's going to harden you towards Trump, isn't it? It's going to make you think, well, it, it, I might as well give Trump a go. It will. And also the, 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 the Biden strategy at the moment depends on the large, fairly large number of undeclared independents yeah. and the soft vote among ethnic minorities for Biden hardening up by Election Day in November 2024. And obviously anything that makes that turn out smaller yes raises trump's chances yes of, you know the nightmare scenario of trump being yeah. re-elected so yeah. you know these are things to bear in mind then then i think we move to an issue on which um it, it's 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 clearer certainly to me which is kevin mccarthy the uh speaker of the house uh congressman from california on tuesday evening announces an impeachment inquiry into joe biden now just to be absolutely clear, an impeachment inquiry is not the same as an impeachment. It's an inquiry which is led by, you know, the Congressional Committee forces. It's going to be overseen by James Comer. And it's it's to establish the case for an impeachment vote in Congress. Now, I'd be amazed if the inquiry didn't find something. But, but I might can I just pause there for a second because... It, is it not the first time? I mean, there haven't been that many impeachment no. inquiries, but the first time where there doesn't—it's like a fishing expedition. This isn't it. There doesn't even seem to be That's the, the kernel of a. There of is a no ground. smoking. I mean, there yeah. has been a lot of investigation of the Biden family. This is this is. Uh, I mean, the, at the heart of it is Biden's son Hunter. Yeah. Uh, who's often sort of treated in discussions as if he's about twenty. He's actually yeah. fifty-three. Yeah. Um, and he has had problems with drugs and he has had problems with taxes um, and, and with a firearm, but nothing major. Um, and he's not Biden. He's not yeah. his father. The, the, the broad allegation is that Hunter used his father's name to drum up business in his various dealings with uh, foreign businesses. Well, duh, of course he did. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't amount to um, the high crimes and misdemeanors that you need the test to uh, treason yeah. bribery or high crimes and, and misdemeanors and it's certainly not joe biden's fault no no there is for, i mean the key is that there is not a scintilla of evidence of uh joe biden having received any financial gain from his son's yeah. business dealings. so the sins of the son shouldn't necessarily be no visited now why yeah. so you have to ask why are they doing this well the first is that they 
the Republicans and especially the sort of wingnut crazy Republicans um, want anything that suggests that Biden is not the legitimate president. And the I word, the impeachment word, it keeps the base happy in that respect. The second thing, which is a bit inside baseball, but is very important, um, is that McCarthy has real problems himself, Speaker of the House. Uh, he is he is facing uh, being deposed himself. By I mean, the, he scraped in to start with. He's barely scraped yeah, yeah, yeah. in. And he's uh, there's all sorts of rows about his um, negotiations with the Democratic Biden-led government over budgets and the right want to, you know, tear him to pieces. And this was McCarthy's desperate sort of offering, uh, you know, olive branch saying, look, I'm, I'm going to get Biden impeached. Mm. And Matt Gates from Florida, is a congressman from Florida who's leading the opposition to McCarthy, immediately gave a speech saying that it's not enough. You're still on, you know, probation. So McCarthy is doing this from a position of internal weakness. So that, yeah. that's worth bringing But I think the the most egregious aspect of it all, um, and the one that one hopes doesn't gain any traction, is they're trying to establish a kind of phony moral equivalence between, you know, some possibly sketchy business dealings by Hunter Biden that almost certainly yeah. didn't involve his father at all, mm. and the fact that tr Trump is facing 91 charges. It's for insurrection. For insurrection. I mean, just... Treason. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a classic distraction yeah. move. So I just went... You know, I, I checked out last night. Just this week, right, kind of Trump trial news, right? Okay, in the federal... This is just a, a few for instances. I could go on forever. In the federal case brought by special counsel Jack Smith against Trump... Trump is demanding the recusal of the judge, Tanya Chutkin, right? Mm -hmm. Two, he's seeking a move of the Georgia case, which is the big one, to federal courts. He, I doubt it will be su succeed, but of course he wants it in federal court so he can pardon himself. Exactly. Three, there's a possibility of moving the date of the Manhattan trial, the hush money trial, um, because of the various, you know, he's in so many trials that actually it's turning into a diary <laughs> nightmare. Four, there's a case brought by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics yeah. on the basis that the, using the 14th Amendment of the Constitution that insurrection is a disqualification for office. And we're going to hear a lot more about that argument. Okay. okay? Five, and I promise you this is the last, uh, the journalist E. Jean Carroll's, uh, who you, you may remember in May, won a civil case yeah. showing that Trump was liable for sexual assault yes. against her. She's got a, a defamation lawsuit in, in against Trump, right. um, and Trump is seeking a delay in that. So the reason I go through that rather sort of um, prosaic list is just to say that's just this week. Yeah, I, the guy's not going to have time to run the a, country. That's a, that's a week <laughs> in the life of yeah. Trump. Yeah. So when you compare that to what is being alleged against Biden, which is still very vague. There is no smoking gun. Yeah. And it was interesting, the, I think the FT reported that Newt Gingrich, who of course was heavily involved with the impeachment of Clinton, said this could backfire. You know, Newt Gingrich is not a liberal, you know, he's yeah, not no. on the moderate wing of the Republican Party, although, you know, what's a moderate in the, the mm. world of MAGA, it's very hard to know. But, you know, when Newt Gingrich says, be careful, you should be. So one hopes that this all backfires. The, the sort of worst case scenario 
is that it does form a vague sort of moral equivalence in people's minds that both they're candidates are both crooked, both yeah. crooked yeah. which is very much um, Trump's uh, hope and objective. Yeah. And he's been in contact with yeah. the, with his, his his allies in Congress to behind all this. And Trump would say, who do you want? Do you want Sleepy Joe the crook or do you want Clever that's, Don the crook? That's the problem, yeah. is yeah. that, uh, and this goes back to the, the you know, let, let's say at very minimum the kind of general... Yeah. Me, you know, the mien and manner of the two candidates yeah. is that Trump is deranged, but he's full of vigor and mm. energy. Yeah. And Biden is a fading force. And it's so performative. It, you wonder whether politics. it will come down to a matter of self-confidence. In That's the, the problem yeah. is that whereas in 2020, <clears throat> whereas in 2020, um, I felt Biden, you know, his 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 kind of blue he's not blue collar by origin but there's he has a sort of commonality with blue collar america you know that oh come on man he in the debates in 2020 he rose up he wouldn't put up with trump's nonsense yeah can one be sure he'll do the same in 2024 less confident one hopes so you know the hope is that trump enrages him and brings up that sort of deep campaigning spirit yeah but it's it's less of a certainty. So let's just cast forward a little bit. Say, let's cross our fingers and say Biden defeats Trump in 24. Then you do, and let's say your thesis is right, that he his mental faculties are declining. And that's going to be progressive and it will get worse. And, yeah. it, you know, you'll find yourself in a situation in 25, 26, where you have the leader of the free world, the leader of the most powerful nation on the planet, who is ostensibly Gargo, potentially. Then what? Kamala well, Harris? Yeah, well, I mean, then the problem is, uh, is, is, is significant, but less, uh, less terrifying right. in that I think people would agree that, you know, Kamala Harris has not shown herself to be a sort of inspiring... Has she done anything? Not, not ostensibly. And yeah. people seem to take against her. There may be a race element in that. I, I suspect yeah, there is. A race and misogyny through yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, it might, she might not be the most inspiring uh, person to take over midterm. Mm. But the, the great premise to your question, Matt, is that Trump has been defeated again. Yes. And that would mean he'd been defeated twice. And I think even the MAGA base, the absolute hardcore, although, of course, they'd, they'd say it'd been rigged again and all that. I think by 2026, 7 or whatever yeah. you're talking about, I think by then... The Republican movement would have moved on. Well, to, he might well be in choky by then. He might well be in choky, Un unpardoning himself, and or, I, you know, I, unable I, to. I think that his, you know, his the the kind of arc that that he's followed since his actual defeat in twenty twenty is it was rigged, and I can win for you again in twenty twenty four. If he doesn't, yeah, I I do think that given this is being done according to the rules of sh rules of showbiz, the show the Trump show gets axed. Yeah. Um, so while at, in actual governmental terms, you're dead right that the, you know, the incapacity of a president midterm would be a problem. You know, presidents have died midterm or, um, you know, Nixon had to resign midterm. I mean, it, it, it's happened. Yeah. Um, and I think I think, you know, that the, the, the system would be able to cope with that. OK, before we go to a break, some age president age questions for you. A little yeah. quiz. OK. So, the median age of U.S. presidents, what would you take a shot at? Uh, Total. 
60 something no 55 much really? younger than oh, i younger. thought the whole younger. procession of those early guys they were all 52 i suppose they were yeah, yeah yeah um the youngest ever person to become president kennedy no obama no theodore roosevelt at oh 42. really yeah but after mckinley was assassinated okay okay so, but so the youngest person to ever be elected as president was, was john kennedy was john kennedy and he also holds the, the slightly question. grimmer, um, the grimmer record of being the youngest president at the end of his tenure, because he was only 46, having <laughs> gone in at 43, oh. of course, he was assassinated. Um, Theodore Roosevelt, the youngest ever former president, aged 50, and Ronald Reagan, as we said earlier, the oldest yes. president at the end of his tenure, but will be superseded by Joe Biden, whatever happens in 2020. Even if he yeah, stopped today. Exactly. Yeah. And the longest retirement of any US president. Oh, that's a good one. Carter? Jimmy Carter. Yeah. He's been retired he's now. In he's in hospice been, care now. He yeah. is, he is. But he's 98 years old. He's also the oldest living president ever. And he has been retired for 42 years, which makes me feel absolutely it's, ancient. It, it's, it's, it's very funny. I, I interviewed him in Vienna at a human rights, UN Human Rights Congress in the 90s. And he was um, fantastic, charming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the, he was, has been the absolute uh, example of what you should do if you've been head of government of a huge power yeah. which is turn it to good yes and he's spent that time you know public service on a global scale he awesome. seems to be a wholly good individual he's just a phenomenally which nice is a sh- isn't it a shame that that's not how he was received at the time really, i think was it? it was difficult because he was following um the disaster of watergate yeah um but at a time when america was still deeply paranoid about the soviet union and carter was seen as soft and and not up to the job and you know the Iranian embassy siege just decked him yeah but it, he was a he was a great statesman he really I'm trying was to think any of our recent rash of leaders that could emerge as <laughs> as, as greater after power than they were before oh Gordon power. Brown Gordon Brown yeah good Gordon, I mean Gordon Brown is a, is I think now um a, a really significant global figure I mean yeah. during the pandemic he was Everywhere and all over. I mean, not physically, but he was. Um, th- I mean, the good work he did for on the very limited, sadly, vaccine sharing was phenomenal. Yeah, and his books about climate change and how to deal with crises, and 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 also just in person, he's at, at ease with himself now. Yeah, in a much. I, I think I, yeah. he is someone who will be very significant, and I think if Labour win, I hope they. You know, I know they they. Talk to Blair a lot. Yeah, I heard they talk to Gordon as I well. I think that's right because you know this is a guy who understands. He understands the global music, if you like. Yeah. He understands how the whole planet works. Yeah, and you know he did a great job, by the way, in get in getting us through the um, the financial crash. He, no, he absolutely did. And of course, Liz Truss will will be better uh, after her power by definition. But I mean, she couldn't be any fucking worse. Could yes, she? So. I, I mean, although. <laughs> We wait, and I'm sure we'll speak about this on the podcast yeah. when, when you know, with with impatience, we finally get yeah. hold of a book. The book. The book, you know. What's ten, it called? It's called something like Ten, ten years, years to Save, to save the, world. the World. I mean, 
the, again, to speak of deranged, you yeah, know, it, yeah. the deranged lettuce, it's amazing. <laughs> right. Anyway, very good. After the break, we are going to return with another uh, all-powerful American. So it's been turned into a bit of a US-themed show, has, this. Yeah. Join us after the break, folks. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This week's episode is sponsored by The New European. We've got a special deal this week for new subscribers, where if you join, you can join for just £1 a week for all of our digital content. Or if you like to get the newspaper delivered to your house every Wednesday as a subscriber, you can have that for just another pound a week, so that's £2 a week. And we'll give you a free signed copy of Rory Stewart's new book, Politics on the Edge. is a real bargain. Which is worth 25 quid, I think. Yeah. So, it And it's signed by the man himself. So go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S. And like I say, every new subscriber will get a copy of Rory Stewart's brand new hardback book signed by the author, Politics on the Edge. And now back to the show. So, Matt, another all-powerful America, maybe the most powerful American, if you believe some people. It's true. Um, so this week... Um, I say American because he's not even bloody American, No, he's, he? South, he's African, South African, but I mean, but, yeah. he, you know, he, he spends most of his time yeah. in America. Um, Elon Musk has had his uh, biography by Walter Isaacson published this week. And why does this matter? Well, because having your biography written by Walter Isaacson is a bit like having a statue Made yes. you know it's a you know he's and I think this is one of the reasons by the way that Musk agreed to um, be the subject of of of, of a 
of a Walter Isaacson biography. He was he had listed Isaacson's biography of Benjamin Franklin as one of his favourite books. And, you know, the other people that have been uh, the subject of Walter Isaacson's biographies include Einstein, Leonardo, um, Steve Jobs, mm. you know. And so clearly Elon Musk sees himself as a worthy member of that. And by the way, the cover, pantheon. which I've only just seen just that second as you held it up, is absolutely striking how similar it is to the cover of the Steve Jobs one, yeah, uh, where the, Steve Jobs used that very famous pose where he had his fi- his index yes. finger just touching his chin and his lip, and it's become a sort of iconic tech guru pose. Well, well, for people obviously just listening, you've got a very very clear photo of Elon Musk staring straight down the camera, beautifully lit, beautifully made up, and his hands almost in prayer, just touching his chin like this. It's very kind of that iconic you know, legendary image, yeah, isn't no, it? Like, almost like Karsh of Ottawa know, I, kind I'm, of portrait. I'm a Roman emperor, basically. Yes, it's it exactly says. Marcus Aurelius, yeah. <laughs> so it's stuffed full of details, much of which have been gone over in, in, in the press, have been gutting it like crazy. But one of the things that struck me is, as both comic but also a bit scary, we, we, we knew that Elon Musk loved Douglas Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. But... The, this biography makes clear that when we say love, I mean loved. So he talks about how he had, I mean, he had a very unhappy childhood. His father, Errol, very brutal uh, father, you know, bullying, um, demeaning the young Elon. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a there was a great sort of sense of it. Him being bullied by gangs of kids in yes. South Africa, but his dad being on the bully side. The dad saying, you know, no son of mine yeah, and so on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he tells Isaacson that, the Hitchhiker's Guide, which for people who, you know, haven't encountered it, is is a kind of comic science fiction. Um, there are five books. It's it started as a radio series in the late seventies. Um, the first book I think was published in nineteen seventy nine, and the last um, in the late nineties. And it's about a human being called Arthur Dent, an Englishman, very English Englishman, who gets rescued by uh, his best friend Ford Prefect who he doesn't know is is from Beetlejuice (laughs) 7 and is a reporter for the the great um, guidebook The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and they get uh, the Earth is destroyed Mm. to make way for an intergalactic bypass and they go off on great adventures which include trying to find out the answer to life the universe and everything which is as people may or may not know, 42 the problem is that no one knows what the question is now so this you know um Elon Musk, who emerges from the book as someone who is either in demon mode, as um, Grimes, the mother of some of his children, he has 11, puts it, or or goofy mode. You know, and he quite often, after shouting at someone for half an hour, will show Isaacson or someone else a Monty Python sketch on his on his phone, which is very strange. Yeah. But he's he's really fixated by uh, Douglas Adams's world. Do you know? I, just to cut in briefly, I've got I've only got one Douglas Adams. Story, oh, go go for it. Which was in I used to be a tech reporter for um, for the Daily Mirror when the internet was just starting. I had a column called Kelly's Eye with the eye like ah. the letter I. Douglas Adams must have been doing some tech game or something like this and was he living in California games, yeah. at the time. And Microsoft or somebody said, "We're launching this game. Do you want to come over and interview Douglas Adams?" Um, as, you know, why he's doing it and all of this, talk about whatever. So I got on a plane, flew 11 hours to Los Angeles, checked into my hotel, 
and uh, and got a this was in May uh, two thousand and one. And got a text from the publicist saying, unfortunately, the interview's off. Douglas just died yesterday. That is a good so, excuse, isn't so it? So I was nearly the last person to interview Douglas Adams, but not but, quite. And you were the first not to. I was the first person not to it interview is a kind Douglas of, Adams. It is a claim to fame. Yeah. Amongst your many claims to fame. <laughs> That's, I mean, it was, it, was, um, uh, it was one of those moments, wasn't it? Because yeah. it was, he was only 49. There'd been no hint. Was he of, only 49? Yeah, good I mean, he was, he, he was extremely young and it... it, it Reading the the Isaacson book and picking up on this, I thought, what a shame it is that um, Adams isn't around yeah. to because what he what he did, I think, was he's the Woodhouse of the tech era. I think the PG Woodhouse of the tech era, and he turned into comic novels and comic um, plays. Um, actually, uh, maybe Matt Hill, our producer, has got a clip he can play from. It was, a, I think, a, a stage adaptation of, of the book. Oh, brilliant. What the hell happened? Well, I was just saying, there's this improbability drive switch here, you see, and I just pressed it. Where are we, Trillian? Not exactly where we were, I think. Then what happened to the missiles? Well, according to this screen, they've just turned into a bowl of petunias and a very surprised-looking whale. <laughs> and an improbability factor of 8,767,128 to 1 against... That's very good thinking, Earthman. You know that? You just saved our lives. Oh, it was nothing, really. <laughs> was it? Oh, well, forget it, then. <laughs> my favourite my favorite line from the whole thing was early on where they were lamenting the destruction of Earth for this superhighway. And the, in, in the lamentation, he said, of course, God had won a, a design award for his work on the Norwegian fjords. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really good. I, I mean, it's inter- but it's, it's interesting how uh, much it does suffuse the book um so grimes says that one of the reasons that they call their baby a second baby why the full name is andromeda synthesis story musk yeah so probably why is better is that as we know elon musk who changed twitter's name to x loves letters why but he also loves the question why um and grimes is quoted as saying elon always says that we need to figure out what the question is before we can know the answers to the universe. And it's funny because the, initially you think how charming, but then you think, actually, I wonder what Douglas Adams, if were he alive today, would make of the fact that his books, which were written to enlighten and to amuse, have been turned into a kind of Bible mm. by this multi-billionaire maniac. I mean, when he sent up, um, he sent up one of his Tesla uh, roadsters in 2018 uh, on the Falcon Heavy test flight. And in the glove compartment, he put a copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to Did the Galaxy. Did he really? And he put a sign on the dashboard that read what appears on the cover of the book in the, in the, in the plays and in the series and the, the books. Don't panic. Don't right? panic. Now, on one level, that's charming. On another, it's slightly deranged. Yeah. And... I think it's, a, I mean, it's, on many levels, it's a great shame that Douglas Adams isn't around to satirise the tech moguls because he was the great guru of the personal computer age, you know, which happened on his watch, I guess. And he foresaw in the guide both the Kindle, which didn't, I think, arrive until 2007, and the astonishing rise of audiobooks because, of course, the book talks in his in his novel. So... He would have been just so fantastic on these 
um, characters like Elon Musk yeah. and Mark Zuckerberg and yeah. Jeff Bezos who really step out of the pages. They really do, don't guide. I think his loss was, was obviously just not a loss personally, but it was a loss to the culture because, you know, these people deserve to be satirised. Mm. And um, the, the, one of the things that comes out of the uh, Isaacson book is, is the, the sense of almost demented... Um, seriousness about what he's doing. Well, do you do you think we, are, you know, as a society, as a civilization now, take individuals like this far too seriously? Do we? Al- no, um, I, I wish it were so. Well, maybe I phrased that badly. What I mean is, do you think that the way we think, our ambitions, our aspirations, our dreams, are they are they the dreams of of individuals like Elon Musk? They, have we allowed them to overtake more common yeah, well, dreams, perhaps? I, you I, know? I, I, I certainly agree with that. And I think that, you know, people like Zuckerberg and Elon Musk have become kind of techno Gatsby's, if you yes, like, that, yes. we, that we aspire to. And their definition of public service is not public service. It's it's just huge accumulation of, of uncontrollable wealth. But also mad, mad dreams. Of, and of, mad... You know, un- to go to Mars, to right. colonise well, Mars. Okay, you know. another extraordinary detail in yeah. the book is that every week, every week, Musk has a meeting that sometimes runs up to two hours called Mars Colonizer. And at this meeting, he and his a particular group god knows of whom on his staff sit and talk about what the society they're going to build on the surface of mars will be like you know will it be a democracy what will the cities look like how will we organize currency what about the food what will the robots do you know how will decision make now you know this is deranged yeah. uh, but also um it tells you how he sees himself and the world in which he operates, which is that he's the person who's going to sort out interplanetary colonization. And to quote Monty Python upon, you know, uh, whom he apparently depends, you know, in the Holy Grail, when the peasant meets King Arthur and says, he says, I'm the king. And the anarchist peasant says, well, I didn't vote for you. Right. Well, (laughs) you know, I don't know. None of us voted for Elon Musk. And yet, you know, it's been the source of, considerable controversy in, in the last few days is one of the things in the book is the extent to which he deprived or didn't deprive mm. the Ukrainian army of internet access yeah. while it was trying to attack in the you know eastern Russian forces and yeah. Musk said he didn't want um, total war to break out well I think that would come as some news to the Ukrainians but if it so I bizarrely in the t- in the telling of that, I found because the story broke that Musk had switched it off, and then the story became that wasn't what had happened. No, I, just, it, I'd never switched it on. This because he didn't because want, he didn't want to enable yeah. the Ukrainians to sink the Russian fleet, basically. Yeah. And strangely, I kind of followed his logic on that in that in that moment. Uh, if he if he had had switched it off to to favour or to prevent the Ukrainian yeah. assault on the Russian. That would have been a whole, wholly different story, I think. But but I do, I, you know, to go back to the earlier point, I do wonder, has there ever been a time in civilization where 
individuals have so kind of warped the whole ambition of humanity you know and why you know why that's the point why isn't he having a two-hour meeting about you know eradicating child poverty or having a two-hour meeting every week about making sure that there's clean water for everybody in africa you know things that would make a tangible you know he talks about you know interplanetary colonization we can't make this bloody planet work never you know let's just make this one work before we move on to so much so much of it is to do with whim isn't it yeah so for whatever reason Bill Gates, Microsoft sounder, has concentrated on climate crisis, health in uh, the developing world and so on. He and his ex-wife, Melinda Gates, their foundation has done a lot of work. But that was just their choice, right? Zuckerberg, Bezos, Musk, they, they really do do what they want. And when, when, when I say that, I don't mean in the way that the very wealthy have always done what they want. Yeah. Um, not in the Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald sense of, you know, the, 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 very, the very rich are different. Yes. They've always been different. Yeah. I'm talking here about unrestrained power. And I don't think national democracies or global institutions have yet come to terms with how much we depend on these guys. I yeah. mean, we talked on a previous episode about a, a Ronan Farrow piece on Musk in The New Yorker, which listed the number of American departments that depend upon elon musk's goodwill yeah which is terrifying and we've touched on it in the past about the enormous influence that a company like google has enjoyed yes because they two guys created something very clever that instantly exponentially grew as a business and was borderless and there was nothing a nation could really do to prevent its grip on on advertising revenues, on on search results, on the way, you know, literally helping control how people think and, and the stuff they find, all under the guise of ultimate altruism, you know. Do you remember their first initial catchphrase was do no evil? Do no evil, yeah, you absolutely. Know, but you could make a good case that, that Google has perpetrated more evil on than, than many other multinational corporations through the way that they have controlled thought and sought, sought to control news agendas and, and also their, their compliance with China as well, yes. which they're but almost uncontrollable. It's, you know? corruption, it's corruption 10x. Yes. Because corruption on that scale yeah. is more than any or almost any head of government yeah. can do. And the thing that struck me, Matt, so just, just the point about Google, because I've met, I've met their top, very top brass and they've got some super smart people and people with really good intention. But they all buy into it. You know, they yes, all believe so. they are doing the right thing. And there's nobody there to say, wait a minute. Yeah. Can you see what's happening? Slow down. Stop this. You know, look at the effect of what you're doing over here. And I, th- I think it's interesting that how this then leads on to AI. Because, understandably, the, the kind of way we're seeing AI at the moment is is through the prism of terminator if you like you know we're terrified that ai is going to get conscious and it's going to turn into death robots and kill us all right which is not a ludicrous thing to worry about given the 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 exponential speed at which ai is improving but i i'm i'm afraid i'm a bit more cynical about it which is hold on a second who is actually controlling the ai it's all the same people you Mm. know musk has his own ai company so does um uh zuckerberg and so on they are scraping the internet for data that can inform, you know, chat GPT has, has kind of blown up because people are using it and going, this is incredible. This is going to be, again, 
unless we're very careful, yet another and much more powerful form of technology yeah. in the hands of a tiny group of people. Yeah. And no one is, you know, we're talking about AI regulation in terms of what AI can do, and that's good. But what we're not talking enough about is who in the end, because someone always does, is owning this. That's Who's right. getting the money from it? Who's exercising the power? Where, you know, who whom, as Lenin said. Mm. And I don't think there's anything like enough of that in the new. There's a, you know, it's a very, in some ways, very exciting debate being had about AI at the moment. But I'm afraid I always want to know, you know, who, who, who's the person putting the code in and who's the person who's will be inevitably raking, you know, one of these guys is going to be the first trillionaire yeah. on the back of yeah. AI. And that uh, takes you to a, a level of wealth that takes you way ahead of almost all the nation states in the world. And no one is doing a thing, really, yeah. to stop it. And I, it's the thing that always terrifies me is it's always the unforeseen consequences of these things. You know, we're sitting here talking about AI and, and, and what will it mean. And there are some kind of obviously terrifying potential, but there are also some... There's um, some good things. Some good things. Maybe AI could, could cure cancer, you know, yeah, or could solve malaria, whatever absolutely. it might be. So there's all that... But just as, for instance, just to pick a, a topic close to my heart, the internet and the rise of these huge, huge multinational corporations that could serve people information, you know, in a way that they'd never received before. That was the death, really, or the beginning of the death of the local news industry it was. In, the, in the UK. And when local news, for instance, suffers and dies and becomes um, a diminished operation, there's, there's consequences to that as well. Councils start behaving badly. Life starts falling apart when you're on the fringes of society because you haven't got anybody, the fourth estate there on a local level, shouting for your cause, you know, or being interested about about misdemeanours from people who, who should be behaving better. So there are these consequences that echo out like like the circles in a when you drop a stone mm. in a pond and it's unforeseeable and there will be consequences to ai that we can't even imagine some will be amazing i hope but some will also be pretty catastrophic how do you you know we need to put in some form of regulation before it starts tearing and, I, the house and I think that the uh, people like zuckerberg and musk who've been very clever at saying please regulate us mm. because they know that most governments, most legislators in the world don't have the expertise yeah. Yeah. to regulate them effectively. Yeah. You know? And they're asking for quick regulation, which is very smart. Yeah. You know? Regulators, please, you know, yeah. because what you actually need is, I mean, I'd say royal commissions, that's silly, but you need, you need detailed, high-intensity, you know, very careful examination of what the real problems are rather than just a few rules saying let's yeah. let's make sure ai doesn't encourage terrorism child porn and things like that all of which is you well, know, you by the way a, necessary a national or you know multinational in the case of european union um strategy yeah, around it AI. has to be international no i was listening just totally different topic but it came home to me the difference between you know the uk and say a, a nation like china when we're talking about the influx of Chinese electric vehicles now. And the guy on the Radio 4 Today programme was saying, what you've got to understand is that the Chinese have had this as a deliberate strategy for 20 years now. Yeah. They've hoovered up all the rare earth minerals they need. They've developed the science. They've got all the factories. They've been building the batteries for 20 years. And now you've got these battery companies who are now building 
cars and they're about to become the single biggest exporter of cars on the planet and that's happened in the last three or four years but he said in comparison the uk everything's a tactical response oh somebody's going to move their factory to france well we'll give them 600 million quid to keep them there and we'll invest in in electric batteries in in wherever it may be but ever there's no strategy it's all about tactics and very knee-jerk responses what is sunak doing on ai he's having a summit yeah, right, come on now. What, like is, what does that a mean? Bloody conference! What a waste have a of time! Conference, you know, what, what a waste of time! A, what you need is a strategy. Yeah. Although you know the strategy he has at the moment is to one hopes to lose the next election, which is you have well, to. He's give playing it to him. that one well. He's playing a blinder. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what, what did we not talk about? What didn't we talk about? Well, one thing week? I'd like to squeeze in a mention of, which is as you know, um, I need hardly mention. And anyone who's watching on YouTube will be well aware. I see myself as a bit of a fashion maven. You and, are. Uh, yeah. thank, thank you. And yourself. Very Steve Jobs today with your black t-shirt. <laughs> I know, I know. I've, I've made the, Before the, he got ill, I've I made the add. big, you know, ne- never mind the little black dress. I've made the big <laughs> black t-shirt, you know, a thing that the must wear. Um, but I went to the preview of the uh, Victorian Albert Museum's uh, mega exhibition on Gabrielle Chanel. And it's... Uh, Joking aside, it's not a subject, couture is not a subject I know very much about or have a, a deep knowledge of, but it is stunning. Is it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, 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 it's, they've, they've managed to curate it brilliantly. It is fantastically organised for the, the, the layperson as well as the, the expert, and it's just visually mesmerising. Right. And I, what it made me think, actually, apart from you know what a terrific exhibition it was, and it's definitely one to make an effort to go and see i know it's 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 booked up for quite a while but do go um is what a great era we are going through for museums so parking for a moment all the ebay scandal at the british museum um you know you've got tristram hunt at the vna knocking out the park you've got ian blatchford at the science museum knocking out the park you've got nicholas clunan at the national uh portrait gallery doing so and i just hope that I have no hopes of this government because I don't think they care about culture, but I really hope that the next government understands how important this is to Britain, and not just in terms of its tourist value, although yeah. that's important, and its soft power, although that's important, but just to its the kind of the nature of being British. And by the way, there are museums and galleries outside of London who are fantastic. Which are fantastic. No, as amazing well. stuff. Yeah. So I, I, it it really brought that home to me. And also, I think something that we can be genuinely proud of. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, it, it's all free. It is. You know, it is incredible how much you can get for nothing. To uh, go into, I mean, obviously they have these these special things, special things yeah. that you have to pay for. But, but but you can go into the science museum and you could spend all day ogling the most amazing things, and yeah. it's cost you nothing. Absolutely wonderful. It's, uh, it's, so anyway, do go see uh, the Chanel exhibition, even if you yeah. don't care about couture. It's amazing. Brilliant. And one thing that I thought we could touch on is these uh, dogs from America, these oh, yeah, bully XLs yeah. or is XL it, bullies. Which is it, by the way? I think XL. Is it XL bully? It sounds like, again, like a, yeah. a, a sort of um, a robot or a, a, a laptop. I, I mean, they look... An aggressive laptop. I mean, they just... I mean, these things, when you see them, I've, there's one on the street near where I live and it looks absolutely terrifying. You know, yeah. I, w- I would cross the street. But the question about, you know, there seems to be an argument which is, you know, it's the people, not the dogs. And 
I said, well, fine, okay, but if why take the chance? You know, if there are, if there are bad people out there, don't let them have a dog that can rip people to pieces in sixty seconds. I feel very sorry for these creatures because they've been uh, bred by bad actors. Yeah. For bad purposes. Yeah, well, who the hell would want to own one of these things unless it was well, I think some the, kind of ego answer, trip or answer, macho thing? But you've just answered the question. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's the, it, unfortunately, it, that question is the same as who the hell watches Andrew Tate. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Is who would want to watch, who would want to own a dog that clearly ha- is genetically programmed to attack? Yeah. Um, and the answer is the kind of idiot that sits watching Andrew Tate YouTubes and, and um, yeah. imbibes that kind of phony machismo. And uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great shame, but I'm afraid I agree with you that, that um, we can't have dogs like that no. prowling around neighbourhoods. You know, it, it just isn't acceptable, and it's, yeah. a, it's a very sad thing to observe. Well, it is, because I think, you know, probably for some of the wrong reasons in that she sees it as a, as a, as a kind of popular Daily Mail Yes. kind of campaigning point. Suella Braverman will ban them and a lot of these dogs will get euthanised yeah. and that's very sad but honestly I'd rather have a hundred of these dogs euthanised than one kid being ripped to shreds by it, one of them so It's fine. a question of priorities. I yeah. mean, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a massive animal lover of uh, cats and dogs but I, I don't want killer dogs roaming nah, the streets nah, and nah. I bitterly hate the people that breed them and the people that buy them. And I hope they're ashamed of themselves, I'm good, afraid. Good, good for you. Well, we'll end on a note of absolute agreement, as usual, actually. Oh, we, always, we yeah, always, agree, always yeah. Mean, yeah. Occasional domestic, but, you know. Occasional. Always. We move ne- on quickly. Never let, never go. What, we never, never let, go to bed Never let on the an sun argument. go down on an argument <laughs> on the yes. two mats. Those nights we, we phone each other late at night to kiss and make up over yeah, fallings out. miss you. <laughs> Remember, folks, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Send us your questions and we will answer them definitively. We will be rolling out a second weekly question and answer episode later this month. So the address for all your questions is 2mats, that's the number 2, M-A-T-T-S, at tnepublishing.co.uk. 2mats at tnepublishing.co.uk. And our special deal, remember, subscribe and get a free copy of Rory Stewart's wonderful new book, Politics on the Edge. Just head to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. And there's a link in the show notes. Thank you as ever to the third Matt, our producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. And until next week. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.